Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Uh, you know, his family was in rough times, and, and he, was, uh, he was a street hustler, man. Just a New Orleans street hustler. And he... Uh, he, he looked at people with money and said, hey, I'm happy with my life, but if I could make a few bucks, that'd be pretty cool. So, I mean, I think making money would be fun. So he, uh, you know, his brother was in the Tasty Donut business, so uh, for, his, uh, for his wedding present, his brother relieved him of a franchise fee, so he opened, like, a small shotgun trailer of a Tasty Donut shop. And he did that for a while. And then he... Uh, he said he hired a guy that worked in the chicken business and to, to cut donuts for him. And he found out that they were open half for only 10 to 10, and they were doing more volume than he was. And he said, God damn, I'm in the wrong business. I need to, <laughs> I need to be in the chicken business. So the recipes began. And uh, Popeye's was founded when I was nine years old. I was the guinea pig. Uh, my sister, Bonnie, we were the guinea pigs for the, um, for the recipe. But uh, what's interesting about that recipe that's so fitting for a culinary show is that uh, I grew up and my grandparents hunt what they ate. They uh, lived from the garden. And I'm so glad that I got a chance to see that Cajun, the French Cajun heritage growing up. And quite honestly, that's what inspired him to do Popeyes. He married my mother at, a, at 18. I was born at 19. At when they were 19, and um, and he started off with a place called Chicken on the Run that didn't work. It was supposed to be a, a copy of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And because, that was an Arabie? Yes. And spicy chicken was too hot for the families that were going to be eating chicken. That's what it, his business professionals had told him, and he agreed with them. So he went to the milder chicken, opened Chicken on the Run, and it didn't do well. Closed it after two and a half months. And he said, before I go down, I'm going to try this spicy chicken recipe, and here we are today. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. You know, and that is, that is a true tale of rags to riches. And uh, right next to uh, Al, I have uh, James Musser. And James, yes, sir. Uh, you're the corporate R&D chef of Al Copeland Investments. And uh, for all you people that don't know what R&D means, I, I believe it means research and development. Yes, sir. And uh, I've, I've actually known Al and James for a few years. And let me just tell you, James has the coolest research and development kitchen <laughs> in, that I've ever seen. You're welcome, James. Yeah, and I've, I've been in plenty of them. I mean, it's beautiful. It's right on the, I mean, everybody knows what Copeland Towers is right there in Metairie, right off Causeway. It's right at the top with all those big windows on the Pontchartrain side, so when you're cooking, I mean, that's probably where you get the best, that's where, that's where I would get the best uh, enthusiasm and creative ideas for sure, man. Yeah, on clear days, you can see clear through to the North Shore, see the other side, so. Yeah. And it's also cool to watch the weather come through, too, but it's a, it is uh, inspiring to see uh, our view out there. We see the city and then, you know, see clear across the lake. It's it's fun to watch sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. And now, let me ask you something. Uh, 
like you said, I, I know it, it wasn't easy that, you know, when your father started Popeye's, or, uh, which Popeye's probably, he, when he first, he didn't know what he was starting. Right. Well, do you remember, were you too young? Or, or were you at the right age just to remember when he was working so hard to make something happen? And I'm, I'm sure if you were, you were probably right there helping him. I lived it. I lived it. Um, Popeye's was founded in 1972, opened June 13th, and I was nine years old. And it was uh, very familiar to me. Um, I, I was I worked in the restaurants with him, or the restaurant with him. And uh, help him pass out flyers uh, right on the street corner. He would get out there and hustle the street light, you know, pass out some some uh, coupons and things. But here he was the Popeye's deal. The first time you ate it, way too spicy. Right. Second time you ate it, you started to tolerate it. The third time you ate it, you craved it. That was it. And that was it. So he knew he had to get you in three times. And if he had to give you the chicken two times, he wanted you to buy it then and forever. From that third time on. Do you remember a turning point from when it was like, I wonder if this is going to work, to the turning point where it was, man, we're, this is going to, this is happening. So he needed to do twenty five hundred dollars a week to break even, mm-hmm. and the national fried chicken average was five thousand a week in that time. So his goal was, he said, if I can get to the five thousand dollar a week mark, the national average, I'm going to open a second restaurant. So. Uh, when he got to 4,500, he opened a second restaurant. <laughs> so he said, this is, this is heading in the right direction. So our second restaurant was out in Kenner. And uh, it's a great story because it was called Popeye's Mighty Good Fried Chicken. Right. And uh, someone had driven from a far destination to go to the Kenner location. And they said, I've been hearing about this famous fried chicken. And my father said, okay, we're famous. Popeye's famous fried chicken. He changed the sign the next day. And it was famous fried chicken from then on for a while. That's awesome. And I, a, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading they have one left. Uh, I don't know if there was many. I don't know if there, it just started with one. But there's one, correct me if I'm wrong, Popeye's buffet left in the chain. And that might that's be in Lafayette? I think it, it's in Lafayette. Yeah. Yes. And that's, that's I mean, as much as you want? Yes, uh, it's it's all all you eat for a price. I don't know exactly what the price is, but um, uh, it's it's pretty popular there. Uh, it hadn't been very successful. You need a big dining room in order yeah. to accommodate that. And most of the restaurants aren't built with the seats to be able to accommodate a buffet. But uh, this restaurant has done it successfully for many many years. Yeah, and, and I'll just tell you, just talking about that pivotal point when 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 he made that forty five hundred and opened a second store. You know, that it's just. It's, it's just so amazing, and so much work goes into it. If you're not involved in the restaurant business, man, so much work goes into it. And, and I could just share my story uh, with you is, is when me and Jay reopened Parkway in 2003, we already had a name, right? We could just open the doors with a name. People are going to come. You just got to make sure the food's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something a lot of people don't have to start is a 100-year-old name. Yeah. And I remember the uh, first day we opened. And the first payroll came around the first two weeks, and we had three uh, uh, video poker slots in there. And the guy who put them in gave us a $10,000 signing bonus. And he said, look, uh, the first payroll came around, and he wouldn't give it to you until they were turned on. So they were there, but they were off. First payroll comes around, can't make payroll. Mm -hmm. 
So we call them up. Said, look, I know the machines aren't on, but can we have uh, can we have half of that uh, half of that ten grand? Gave it to us. Made payroll. Mm-hmm. Next two weeks, couldn't make payroll again. You know, all the opening costs when it comes to a restaurant, from the liquor to the licensing to putting the paint on the walls to just initial hiring and training when you're not making money. Second payroll, we didn't make it. We call them again. They're still not on. Gives us a second five grand. Third payroll, barely made it. Haven't, haven't missed one since. There you go. You know, so, and uh, it's, just, it's just, you know, to where, to where your father brought it to, it's just absolutely crazy. But being a, a kid born in the 80s, James, I look at you, I think we're about the same age in our 30s, huh? Being a kid born in the 80s, when I thought of Al Copeland, I did not think of fried chicken. I did not think of Popeye's. Uh, I'm born and raised in Biloxi, Mississippi. And Al Copeland, when I thought of him, I knew the racing circuit for the powerboats was coming to town and he was the guy to see. You didn't care about any other boats. You didn't care about any other person in the race. Your father was the man to go see because he always had the, the coolest places, you know, the coolest boats. And we're going back to a break. When we get back, we've got a lot more to talk about with uh, Al Copeland and James and uh, some neat things coming up on the show. It's the Food Show, 105.3 FM HD2. All right, guys, welcome back to the Food Show. You're live with J.W. Kennedy, 105.3 FM HD2. And all you listeners out there, if you want to call in, talk to Al James or myself, 504-260-6368 is the number. And uh, we were just talking to Al and James, and uh, just when I was a boy growing up in Biloxi, Mississippi, uh, when, when, when Al Copeland came to mind, it wasn't Popeye's. It was the iconic boat racer. And when those speedboats came to town, buddy, my whole family was there. And, and James, I figure me and you are about the same age. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was your, when you were a boy, what was your, uh, like, uh, Copeland story? Well, I grew up on the West Bank, so we, like, we would travel in front of the one on Lapalco, the Copeland's on Lapalco, uh, two or three times a week. And it, it, you know, we lived over there for, you know, a good 10, 13 years, and eventually I asked my parents, like, like what, what is that? Like, I see it every time. It's colorful. It looks, looks fun. And they said, oh, it's like, it's a Cajun restaurant. And I asked them if we can go there one day. And eventually we did, and they, they took us back a couple of times. And um, then we moved to the North Shore after not too long. I think it was, I was a freshman in high school. And uh, we moved to the North Shore. And uh, come around my senior year, my dad, who is very, very old school, he, he bought me like an old, twice used, beat down, run down car, threw me the keys, and he says, I'm not giving this to you. You got to pay me back every cent. I'll go get a job. <laughs> so, uh, right down the street from the high school, they had the Copelands and Slidell right there on Gauze. It's, it's still to this day one of our, our most popular restaurants, you know, higher sales restaurants. And I went in there and I applied and I started there as a dishwasher. and. You know, I worked my way up through the company. Literally made it to the yeah. top, literally. Yes, <laughs> and look, what's it? How does it feel to like? I mean, just be creating and testing dishes for this family that's so rooted in New Orleans community. Well, I I, I try not to take it for granted. Like mm-hmm. uh, I, I know I have a lot. I'm I'm standing on the shoulders of guys that you know are much more experienced than I am that came before me. But I was also very blessed to work with them, and they kind of took me under their wing and showed me what to do, what not to do. And like to have fun with it and ask a lot of questions and keep your head down and work. And, and you know, I was, I was with Copeland's at the time when 
when Big Al was around, and I was fortunate enough to work with him and and for the family. So I, I got to do a lot of you know, family events. Like I would cook for their private dinners and Thanksgiving nice. and New Year's and stuff. And I would go out to the beaches and see those boat races, and I'd be out there frying chicken on the beach and stuff. <laughs> so I remember all that, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I take all that, and the the play with Al and I when we're creating dishes is very much a lot of give and take. Sometimes I'm bringing ideas to the table. Sometimes he's bringing me newspaper clippings and places that he went and made in Vegas or New York and California and said, here, I'd made this or, or, or I had this in this place. You got to make it for me. I'm like, <laughs> I haven't, I wasn't there with you, but I gave it my best shot. Mm-hmm. And it starts with that and it goes back and forth until we nail down something that we both like. Cool, man. Off the bat, without even yeah. thinking about it. You might think a little bit. Favorite mm-hmm. thing you've ever created for the company and favorite thing <laughs> you've ever eaten at the Copeland Restaurant Tour Concepts? Um, I'm not going to lie. You ask anybody that sees me coming around to the restaurants, I still get down on fried chicken. <laughs> like, I'll open up a menu, and I'll look around, and I'll guess, like, like what do I want? What am I going to eat? And, yeah, give me a fried chicken. I'll have some red beans and rice to go along with that. Please make sure the biscuit's buttered, and I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. What about you, Al? <laughs> you know, fried chicken's in my blood, brother. What's, but, the, what's but, the second? But, but the second uh, I, I love our steaks. I think we do a great job with steaks, and, and, our, and our grilled fish is phenomenal, too. I try to keep it light now, but uh, Copeland's customers really love our, our rich flavors. We cook uh, with uh, some butter, and we cook with some cream, and we, cover, and we layer our flavors. The thing about Copeland's that's so interesting, it was founded in 1983, but the whole concept was to bring fine dining food to a casual dining restaurant. And in 1983, no one was doing that. TGI Fridays, Bennigan's, Steak and Ale, they, those were the players. And uh, you know, everybody was doing a basic process. No one had saute ranges in their stove, in their, in their restaurants. So we were layering in flavors and, and, and doing uh, you know, fat renderings and, and, and layering in these flavors of, of things and building dishes you know, uh, on the spot uh, when most people were more like scoop and serve. Right. And so uh, that's really what Copeland's was all about. And so we, um, we have a shrimp and crab cake Alfredo that people absolutely love. But you'll taste, I mean, if done properly in our restaurants, you'll taste all these layers of flavors in our dishes, and it's not just one-dimensional. Yeah, all, all the pasta. If you, I mean, everything there is great, and, and there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to certain restaurants, only a, 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 a certain things people can eat, but... Copeland's delivers to 8 to 80 crippled to crazy. You know, <laughs> everybody w- enjoys Copeland's. It's something for everybody. And me personally, of course, everybody goes to the fried chicken. But you had this, like, steak medallion thing I tried. And it's just, it's just. La boucherie? Yeah, the way, the way it is that you uh, said steak, you know, y'all do steaks well. It was like a, a sirloin that y'all sliced real thin. It was mm-hmm. mid-rare. It was fanned out. Mm-hmm. Had the au jus right there to dip in and a little sauce. But. Another thing that I created, I created for something at Copeland's. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you know, I dropped the biscuits off, and this is the Copeland's I'm talking about in Kenner, mm-hmm. off West Esplanade. They dropped these biscuits off. Forget the bread, man. you got these buttery <laughs> Copeland biscuits in your life. I got some corn and crab bisque, and I broke the biscuit up and dropped it in the bisque. <laughs> it was off the hook. And I almost worked for Copeland's. 2005, I was hired at Copeland's Restaurant. Okay. And that's something y'all, y'all don't know. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, 2005 was, uh, you know, I was, a, I was 21 years old. Uh, me and my uncle reopened uh, Parkway Bakery in 2003, a year and a half later. The hurricane hits. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, was, I was transported, and I went to uh, uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And I went to Southern Miss to just keep my schooling going. I was going to UNO. Mm-hmm. And I wanted a job. And I... And, 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 
the lights, just like you said, those lights drew you, man. Yeah. And it was something you were familiar with besides all like the other like chains across the country. It was like one that felt like at home. And uh, I went and uh, told them who I was. They hired me and I was supposed to start next week. But I ended up going back to a reopening parkway and uh, here we are. So it's so cool to be sitting here and saying, I almost worked at Copeland's, man. <laughs> Maybe I might be sitting on the other side next to you, James, if I was, if I was there. But, uh, uh, you know, one thing is I feel like I feel like I knew you, Pop. I really do. And I think New Orleans feels the same way, too. And I have never sat down, never talked to him. I've never seen him in real life. And, and, and that's just that was his aura. That was just the kind of guy he was, you know, from someone that doesn't even know him. And uh, uh, a guy who was on top of the world, uh, everything going for him. So many people loved him. Uh, you know the year and, uh, you know, bringing up hard times. But, uh, you know, it, it, he was hit with a curveball. And, and just like so many families in South Louisiana, stricken with cancer, your father was, Big Al was stricken with something that Hardly anyone's ever seen. It was a really rare one. Mm -hmm. Correct? Right, right. Uh, Merkel cell carcinoma only affected 2,000 people in the U.S. Uh, a year. Uh, so when he uh, contracted the disease, uh, the cancer, uh, there weren't many places to turn. Uh, we were fact-finding and going, leading to dead ends everywhere we turned. Uh, most doctors, even in the field, had never seen a case before. So that made it uh, really difficult and very challenging on the, f the entire family. We all went into research mode and, and tried to find every you know opportunity we could to, to 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 work on the next treatment program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when when what, what year what year did he pass? Uh, two thousand eight, March twenty third, two thousand and eight. Uh, and you were telling me that he had a wish. <laughs> he had a he had a wish. Maybe uh, on his on his deathbed and that was the Al Copeland Foundation ACF right right, right. yes uh, the it, it, that's where Al Copeland Foundation was born uh, birth there because uh, he had uh, on Thanksgiving Day on 2007 we sat around the table as a family and we always uh, it's his it was his initiative but he wanted everyone to say what they were thankful for and when it came down to his turn he just said I'm thankful for life and uh, and I need to find a cure for this cancer that I have, and and not only that, but I want to uh, finish building my 56-foot boat and break the world <laughs> propeller speedboat record. <laughs> That's awesome. Those are the two things he wanted to accomplish before he died. Uh, so uh, we you know we didn't win that battle against cancer at that point, but we're going to win the war, and we have won the war. Yeah, and since then you have fulfilled both those promises. If you, first of all, the speedboat record, you fulfilled that? Did not fulfill the record. Got to 200 miles an hour on Lake Pontchartrain with the boat. I needed 236. Oh, um, there was just some design flaws in it. Very heavy boat, uh, 13 foot wide, 56 feet long, 13,000 horsepower. So it was, uh, it was packing some power, but uh, we just didn't get the speed out of it that we wanted to, and it was just costing a fortune to pursue it. So uh, we just... Um, we, we quit that. Not only that, it was getting dangerous. I mean, 200 miles an hour in the water is very, very fast. I used to race with him uh, 1986 to 1991. Wow. And uh, it was funny. We've had some really close races where we did 200 miles of racing and finished one and two within a boat length of each other in Key West, Florida. So I had my best times uh, racing with him, and I really wanted to fulfill that for him. But uh, 
you know, at 200 miles an hour on the water, you're in God's hands. There's really no, there's no skill to it anymore. It's really just, you know, what happens. And it's it's hard to, um, I mean, there's a lot more to live for than that. At right, the time. right. And right. well, you fulfilled that in, 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 in more than one way is uh, this Al Copen Foundation. And it's, me personally, it is the premier foundation in research and fighting cancer in New Orleans, you know, off, off, off the cuff. Well, thank you for saying that. Uh, we're very proud of uh, of our work. Uh, you know, the the quick the quick story on the Al Copeland Foundation is it was founded uh, back in '08, uh, and we put it together right after that Thanksgiving meal. My sister Allie and Charlie uh, put it together, got it started, and um, I was you know busy running the companies and trying to help with cancer and uh, research and so, stuff like that, and. Um, and we, we started to try to find organizations that had uh, Merkel cell in their in their um, in their program, and the University of Pittsburgh did. So we initially started some uh, some research with the University of Pittsburgh, and then we learned something that was really uh, really brought us home. We wanted to get home with this this uh, this mission, and when I found out that uh, that Louisiana was the sixth highest ranked. Uh, state in cancer diagnosis and fourth highest in cancer deaths and received less than one percent of NCI you know funded federally funded money I said we got to help yeah we need to help Louisiana let's get to Louisiana and we partnered with LSU Health and Science and and we you know pursued our dream that's awesome man well look when we get back one of the main reasons we're all here today is uh Fighting Cancer, we're going to talk about the Al Copen Foundation, uh, ways to be a part of it, and then some new cool things Al Copen's come up with. Be right back on The Food Show, 105.3 FM HD2. <laughs> All right, baby, you live with a night tripper. <laughs> 105.3 FM HD2. This is Mac Rabinac, Dr. John in the house talking to you. I took the mic from J.W. He talks too much. I'm just kidding. That's my little impersonation of the legend. He comes to Parkway every now and then, and uh, his favorite thing to get, which we don't have, I tried to make it for him, is a, uh, he wanted a Creole weenie, he called it. And a Creole weenie was a hot dog and a, a Creole tomato sauce. And uh, I just threw a, 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 I made a hot dog and threw some marinara on it and some hot sauce in it, give it a little spice. He said it was close, but <laughs> didn't match it from the 40s. Well, we're back. It's a food show. Uh, if you want to give us a call, I got Al Copen Jr. and Jay Musser, and uh, 260-6368 is the number. And uh, we're just getting into this marvelous Cancer Founding Foundation, the ACF, the Al Copen Foundation. And... Uh, I'll, I'll just tell you my story, uh, how I got involved. I'm a big advocate of the foundation, or, or trying to be. And uh, this was just uh, two and a half years ago. I had, a, I had an employee of mine that came on in 2007. His name was John Jackson. John Jackson was a, a, a man that's been around. Uh, he, he, he did time in Angola for 30 years. And when he got out in 2006, nobody would give him a job. You know, as you know, you think if you're hiring someone, first the last job was 30 years ago, and uh, Al Copeland personally interviewed him, Al Big Al, and gave him a job, and he worked at uh, Copeland's in Metairie, 
And he lived right next door to me. I'd see him walking his dog. I'd see him talk. You know, he lived with his sister. And one day, I guess the, the commute was rough getting out there, especially if you didn't have a vehicle. And you know, he asked me if he could join our team, and I said, sure. And we're a family business, you know, my mother, brother, sister, uncle. You know, I live on top of the place. And everyone who works here, we try to make feel like family. And Mr. John was uh, a mentor to me, a great buddy to me, man who worked harder than anybody. Uh, and he would always... Uh, resemble my family to the Copeland family, how he was treated. And, and, and I, I took that as an honor, not even knowing the Copelands. Well, lo and behold, uh, six, seven years, eight years down the road, John was a man that never called in sick. Uh, he'd come in sick, right? And, and sometimes that's what you need when, when, when you're running a restaurant. He'd come in sick and hurting. And uh, one day he was hurting so much he couldn't even stand himself. So we drove him down in the emergency room and he was stricken with the same cancer. But it was, it was a little before uh, uh, Al had passed, and uh, he was stricken with Merkel cell cancer carcinoma. And uh, uh, it was, this was a man who's never been too many places. And uh, I said, you know what? It was, it was bitter cold. And I said, look, let's go do something, man. The doc's going to give you three months. What did the doctors know? Yeah, that's what everybody thinks in the beginning, right? What did they know? You're going to beat this. You're strong. You're tough. And uh, I drive him down to Miami, drove down to Key West, said he was going to beat it, and I believed him. Didn't beat it. And uh, year, uh, two years later, I'm looking at a, a promotional ad that the Al Copen Foundation did on the, on, on the social media, on the Facebook. And it said, tell your Al Copen story. And I said, man, I got an Al Copen story in a sense, and I've never even met the Copens. So I wrote into the foundation, tell him the story, my buddy John. Then I told him the story when I was a kid. Uh, my family had a, has an engine business in Biloxi, and uh, when Al used to donate all his toys he didn't use anymore, all the motorcycles and cars and, and, and boats, he donated them to the YMCA. And uh, my family, they were in charge of holding all the boats and stuff and making sure they were running. And uh, I can't tell you, when I was a kid, I lived like a Copa now. I went to the movies in the Purple Popeye's bus. Uh, I, 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 me and my uncle raced with a flat tire, raced uh, a red car that I believe had Mario Andretti's plaque inscription on it and uh, some of the big Harleys, you know, and, 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 and I told him that story, which is so bizarre because I feel like no one out of being involved with the families ever lived that. And next thing you know, Kathleen Thomas, who's the head of the foundation, comes knocking at my door. And I said, look, I'm at your service, whatever you want to do, because I believe in what y'all are doing. And I know how I saw that uh, social media ad, but I'm glad I did, because uh, I'm glad to be a part of the foundation and, and helping y'all raise money to fight this, 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 this horrible disease. Well, uh, thanks for being here, Justin. Uh, if, for you guys that don't know, Justin has been a great supporter of our foundation in many ways, and uh, he does it. I did it for the turkey program, which I'll let you explain but he's also a board member on the Al Copeland Foundation and chairs as a committee chair for our Crew to Cure event that's coming up with Jill Lindbergh and has just made uh, phenomenal strides in bringing that event to the next level. Yeah, and, and, and the, this is a foundation that, you know, there's so, that's the thing. There's, and you know, Al, you know, James, there's so many foundations that call you and ask you to donate. It's almost mind-boggling, and you want to help everybody, right? But over the years of being asked, I just tuned, tuned down to something that you can really put your head down and help, 
help out that you really believe in. And this is one because you see the work you're actually doing. Not only that, you know, how I got involved in it with my buddy John, but the, what y'all are doing is absolutely phenomenal. Actually, uh, if I'm saying it wrong, but the rare disease that your father had that, you know, if anyone could have paid for your cure, your dad could have paid for a cure. That's Didn't right. matter. Yep. Passed away from it. Yep. Since Six months. You, since, Six months. Since you started the foundation, you have cured people of this disease. Yes, sir, we have. And, and, and that's amazing. And I've seen a man right in front of me, Dr. Vargas. That's correct. He's enjoying life in Europe right now. And what was his story? Uh, he was, a, believe it or not, he was a doctor that uh, had uh, seen my daughter, my younger daughter. We had no idea. And um, it's, it's a long story, but the quick version is that we, uh, we found out that Merkel cell uh, was a virus-based cancer. We then um, opened a par- did a partnership of viral oncology. Uh, we said, if it's virus, there might be a vaccine or a cure for this virus. And, and this is where doctors were going with um, cancer at the time. And uh, he said, well, if, then we, so we opened that and we did some research and we determined that, you know, well, let's, I mean, what we need to do is really get into clinical trials. If we're really going to determine whether a protocol works, we've got to open a clinical trial. So in uh, October of 2016, a big long story short, we opened a clinical trial for uh, actually immunotherapy treatment. And this treatment allows your body to heal itself like it would a common cold. What happens with cancer, it's in an immortal cell. Your body doesn't recognize it until it's too late. And with this particular fast-growing cancer, there was no way to compete with that. Your body would just overcome it. What this treatment does is it allows your body to recognize it early on, and it uh, opens the receptors and allows the medication, and not only the medication, the medication opens the receptors. Your body, your immune system actually cures, its, cures the cancer. And, and so they had amazing success with this um, in, in from the early trials. So we opened, we bought some equipment, we spent uh, about $400,000, bought some equipment, got LSU qualified to open this trial, and they did. And which, uh, when they opened it, this patient had uh, signed up for it who had stage 4 Merkel cell carcinoma and was given Jeez. three months to live. Uh, this man, I didn't know who he was, but later on in treatment, about a year later, I got to meet him for the first time. And when I met him, I knew who he was. I couldn't believe it. I mean, due to HIPAA laws, I had no idea who he was. And uh, so we met. And he said he was in treatment and seeing reductions in tumor sizes, and the medication was working, and he really felt, felt like he had a, um, an opportunity to live. And so he kept the treatments going. And to take a real long story short is um, on uh, October of last year, he approached my wife, and he said, I want to let you know that I am in remission and cancer-free from the treatment. God. And that is a miracle. Now, this is a very fast-moving cancer, and I want to tell you that it was 100% terminal cancer. From the day you realize you have it— you You're had a dead to, man walking. You, yeah, it's nine months. You had the, the maximum anyone lived was nine months. My father lived only six, and he was 200 pounds, single-digit body fat. I mean, this man, he wouldn't have had the muscle. He'd have died sooner. But he had a very aggressive um, uh, part of, of disease, and, he, um, and he, he died quickly. And in this case, we have a gentleman— who is now um, 
you know, several months from ca- being cancer-free and enjoying life in Europe right now when, you know, he only was only given three months to live, you know, two years ago, a year and a half ago. Yeah, and I, I've met this gentleman. He's an absolutely amazing human being. And, uh, you know, Kathleen Thomas, uh, and that's one thing that's so great about the foundation is that there's no, you're not paying for any fat, you know, you're not paying for any uh, salaries. This foundation goes, and and that's, you can't say that much for too big, you know, for too many foundations, especially when you go start talking cancer. There's a lot of salaries involved. There's a lot of hierarchies involved. And, and all the money donated to the foundation goes directly to the cause. That's right. The family pays for Kathleen and the overhead expenses. There are some expenses to the actual event that we do, but we try to get as much of that donated. And, of course, our restaurants all contribute and all of our employees contribute and donate their time uh, to the cause. So they're really bought into it. And um, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, finding a cure for cancer, realizing what this really means, not just for Merkel cell, but for all cancers. We have now with the LSU partnership 13 trials open, and we just got notification uh, December of last year that two more patients that had terminal cancer or bladder cancer have taken the immunotherapy treatment program and are cancer-free. This is amazing. I mean, if you could ch- if you could save one person's life in your lifetime, that would be a miracle, right? Oh yeah. We're involved in saving three and more coming. I mean, this is amazing. And so we're we're just so passionate about what we're doing here, and and we want people to get involved. The, the opportunity for us is to expand our base. We're dedicated. We're funding it. We're working it hard. And one of the things that the doctors give me a lot of credit for is is I run it like I run a business. A very focused initiative to really keep your eye on the prize. What are we trying to accomplish? What is this funding going to be used for? And how many lives are we going to save? Hey, uh, we got a caller on the line. Hey, Chad Landry, what's happening, man? You're on the food show. <laughs> what's what's up, happening, Chad? fellas? How, y- how y'all doing? How you doing, Chad? <laughs> hey, I wanted to tell y'all thank you so much for everything you guys do and, and cancer research and uh, on top of running amazing restaurants, Parkway Bakery and Copeland. Those are two of my favorites. And uh, I can't thank you enough, Al, for everything you're doing with the clinical trials here locally. You know, it's so nice to have families that don't have to travel and they can get the experimental stuff right here at home. So that's terrific. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chad. Uh, Chad is also, uh, I, I happen to know of Chad, he's, uh, he's got a, a foundation of his own and he is working to try, uh, for lymphoma. Chad had, had lymphoma and, he's, uh, and he has a big event coming up, a uh, lymphomaniacs event. Uh, on uh, March 30th, uh, and uh, he does some great work, and he supports this local cancer initiatives as well. Thank you, Chad. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Thank you, guys. Best of luck to you. Thank Bye-bye. you, Chad, man. And and that's bizarre. Chad's actually lived it. You know, he knows what it's like. I think he was a young boy, right? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, going into foundations, uh, you know, you got to have fundraisers. You can always go to uh, org and just donate on the website. But, you know, when you have uh, foundations, you try to try to do some fun things that uh, people can have fun while they're donating. And uh, the, the foundation has a bunch to offer. And uh, mine, my little one uh, in uh, my neck of the woods, was the uh, Thanksgiving Po' Boy. And we did that. We do that in November, every Wednesday in November. And uh, that was when I first signed on with the foundation. I wanted to show out that I was, you know, a lot of people, when they sit on a board, they just want to be on a board. When you sit on the board, you gotta you you, you gotta turn it out. And uh, I uh, had this phenomenon of a sandwich where people sit in line uh, for 200 feet deep, and they they wait in lawn chairs six in lawn chairs six in the morning to get this sandwich. 
So I had the thing saying, look, donate some money to the foundation, 100 bucks, skip the line. Made 10 grand. <laughs> and when I say 10 grand, I say 10 grand four Wednesdays in November. The fundraiser ran from 11 to 2. That's 12 hours. 10 grand in 12 hours for this foundation. Now, that's my little part of the world, but there's many more. Uh, you do Chicken Jam, and that's on National Fried Chicken Day, correct? Yes. Yeah, National Fried Chicken Day, uh, July 6th. And don't get this confused with the uh, uh, Fried Chicken Festival. This is a Copeland Fried Chicken Throwdown Chicken Jam, National Fried Chicken Day. And it's at, it was at the arena uh, last year. UNO Arena, yes. Okay, and that's the same place, uh, mm-hmm. just like my guest yesterday, Hawks for the Cause, held on the same grounds, but I believe it's inside. That's right. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about the weather. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah. Also. And uh, another uh, uh, a big one that I'm a part of and coming up really soon when you talk about is Crude de Cure. And uh, it, that, it's a phenomenal uh, gala. It's, it's, it has some of the best food from, from Copeland's. And this year we're going to have Ashwin Vilku from Saffron, Mike Regois, legendary Antoine's, Vincent Catalonato. That's a true Italian name. <laughs> I, I can't believe I even pronounced that. From Vincent's. Uh, Blake Lindbergh from El Libre, new place over there right on Calhoun Street, uh, across from Ted Frost Top, real good Cuban restaurant. Copeland's in New Orleans are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a couple of minutes, we'll come back from our break. I'll tell you a couple of other concepts that are going to be there that uh, Al has put together with uh, uh, James and another chef. Uh, it's some exciting things to do. And just remind you, all the proceeds uh, – that go to go directly to the cause, and Dr. Vargas is definitely a proof of what y'all are doing. No question. Hey, I just want to say a shout out for Parkway Bakery, man. What, what you guys do with that po' boy sandwich? Uh, I mean, I, I go out there on the Wednesdays that you're doing it, and I am just amazed that 200 people stand in line for a po' boy sandwich the way that they do. It, that's absolutely crazy what you do over there. Well, we've been doing it since 2007, and I was getting a little tired of it because you don't make much money on it. We had to, I mean, you know. It's not all about the money, but if you get in a restaurant business, you're trying to make money. And the sandwich makes no money itself because so much work goes into it. We had to off, we had to get a catering company to cook the turkeys. It's real birds, carving it, hand carving it. You can't fake a good Thanksgiving turkey. And uh, it's just so many people, you can't cook enough. And raising money for it with the foundation gave me personally a jump start. And I love it. I look forward to it every time it comes around. We're going to make it better and better and better. Yeah. You know, it's, we're going to make it a big-time fundraiser. And, and if we can get some of these turkey farmers and uh, breadcrumb guys and uh, cranberry farmers to donate, I'd take, I'd take the money off the sandwich and donate it. There and you that go. wouldn't be 10000 That'd be a lot more than that. Yeah. They've got to step up. Showtime. Yeah. So after Crew to Cure, you got that golf tournament. That Crew to Cure is April 11th. You can go to alcopenfoundation.org. You can yes. buy tickets. That's right. It's a it's a it's a gala. You can take your sweetheart, uh, your mama, your sister, your brother. You know, dress up. It's a Mardi Gras theme event. Uh, we got some of the top chefs in the city going to be there, and uh, we're expecting we're expecting a great time. That's over at uh, Copeland Tower. Yeah, yeah in the Copeland Tower, I've got a, a 8,000 square foot ballroom there, and we actually bring like a jazz fest style indoors. So you get all the booths with all the chefs cooking their foods and uh, some great music and, you know, dance, have fun, eat and drink. And it's a great way to celebrate. Uh, it's like we, that's true Copeland style celebration uh, and raising money for a good yeah. cause. And it's, it's a 
I'm talking about a beautiful event, easy to get to, easy park, and it's not free park. Free free park, and it's not like going downtown trying to find a place to park. Man, you can get right in there, uh, real welcoming, and uh, it's it's we're gonna let the good times roll on April 11th. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the next day, April 12th, you got a golf tournament going on. That's right. Yeah, and, Bo, Bo Shim, we've got both courses, so it is a it is a phenomenal event. We've been doing. Uh, Really well. We um, we didn't quite sell out last year, so we're looking forward to getting that done this year. So if you like to play golf and you want to play for a cause, uh, it's a great course. And uh, what we do is we call it a golf fest. Uh, you know, again, we want to have some more fun doing it. So we have drinks and food on at least every other hole. Uh, fried chickens there, boiled crawfish. Uh, we do it all up really well. And I think there's more people that don't know how to play golf than people that do. And I'm in the, I don't know how to play golf. But let me tell you, this festival, it doesn't matter. It's awesome. I think you can go there not knowing how to play golf and have more fun if you did know how to play golf. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's a lot of good uh, restaurants going to be there as well. And uh, it's going to be a fabulous time. So don't miss out. Coming back, we're going to talk about some brand new concepts from Al Copeland and Al Copeland Investments. This is The Food Show, 105.3 FM HD2. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.